We've got power. <laughs> Funny that we should be talking about that because I'm going to be talking about having power today. So you got to be connected to have power. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. All right, well, let's try this again. It is so good to be here this morning. What a great time of worship, really, really to be able to worship together, to hear the voices, to hear us sing, and I hope uh, online at home you're watching as well and joining in. Uh, I love hearing from those uh, watching online. There's folks that, that email me that tell me, hey, we're still not able to come in person. We're watching faithfully at home, and so I'm so glad for that, and, and uh, just appreciate you being a part of what's happening at Meadow Park. Uh, this is Live Love Week, as we've heard, so I'm excited about that for our church, ways that we just want to, that to be a part of who we are, not just for one week of the year, but, but uh, throughout the year, that we find ways to just bless people and to be those transformed people that, that impact others, that look for opportunities all around us. And so I really want this for us as a church to be a week where we engage in those ways. And as Kyle uh, said, and the Hour team, they've created opportunities for us. Make sure you check those out. I think the t-shirts are free, so just go and get yourself a t-shirt. We'll clothe you this morning if you don't have a shirt to go out there. What's that? All right, we'll, we'll do it, we'll do it. So, and opportunities are out there to sign up for how to, you know, opportunities for us to do that. I know with our student ministry tonight, we're gonna be serving as well uh, here in the community at a local firehouse. So, lots of neat ways that we can impact uh, our community for Christ. Well, we are in this uh, series called Goliath Must Fall. Goliath must fall, and as we already sang earlier uh, in, in the song, and as Pastor Roger mentioned, you know, Jesus Christ has already broken all the strongholds. So, spoiler alert, Goliath is dead. Goliath has fallen, Goliath is over. So what are those giants in your life? The things that you're facing. Some of us, we think about those right away. Others may have to process a little bit, but typically there's something that, that maybe you're, you're just struggling to overcome. Or a Goliath or a giant that keeps coming back in your life and you keep thinking like, I just can't win. I just can't get past it. I can't seem to live my life on the other side of Goliath. And I think if I'm honest, and if we're honest, maybe we're sitting here today, we've heard over the last several weeks that the good news is Goliath is already dead. Do you really believe it? I mean, do we really believe it? Because in our lives, we come back and we feel like, I keep losing, though. I keep fight, fighting those battles. But we've said Goliath is dead, but he's still what? He's still deadly. <laughs> like a snake that's head, whose head's been cut off. There's still venom in, in, in the fangs. There's still the poison in this world. There's still the presence of, of evil and Satan in this world. So we still have battles to fight, but we have to know Goliath is already dead. And, and another key point, I'm gonna drive home every single week in this, you're not David. You're not David. Jesus is David. You don't have to go in there. Goliath has already been defeated. But even as we'll see throughout these stories, David still, even after defeating Goliath, still had to learn what it looked like to, to live in victory, to live on the other side of a Goliath. His life may have had this defining moment of defeating Goliath, but how many other battles did David face? Was his life easy sailing after that? Have you battled a Goliath? Have you found some victory in some area in your life, and then the rest of your life has been easy? No. We continue to have challenges and struggles because we live in a fallen world. We live in a place where there's battles and struggles. And so we want to know, okay, Christ has defeated evil, has defeated Goliath. How do we live in that new life? So we've been looking, that over the, looking at that over the last several weeks is to step out of that shadow where Goliath taunted for 40 days, right, and the army was cowering in fear. Eventually, they ran past Goliath when he was defeated. They conquered the, the other army they took over the land and they began to live in that freedom. What does that look like? We began in the second week talking about the first thing is to, to surrender our life to Christ, to repent, to confess, to say, Jesus, here is my giant. This is what I'm struggling with. When we allow the light of Christ into that through confession and repentance, things begin to change. 
That's where we begin to find that first step of hope and life that comes. And then last week we talked about what we talked about, walking with the walking wounded, right? Finding hope and healing, the community, sharing with others what's going on and realizing we need to do this together. And each of those things are ways in which we begin to make progress on that journey of walking in victory, walking in freedom, and walking and getting past that Goliath. Today what I wanna talk about is, 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 all right, so you've done that, you've confessed, you're, you're in the church, maybe you're sharing with others what's going on, but maybe you still have that Goliath looming there, maybe you still get knocked down, you still get defeated, what's going on? And so what I wanna talk about today in part four is how do we live a new life in the power of the Spirit? How do we live in the power of the Spirit? What does that look like to live empowered lives, right? That, that's why I did that at the beginning. I, I purposely unplugged my microphone so I have this illustration of what happens when we don't have power in our lives. So, so how do we live in this power of the Holy Spirit? We are in a, in a power-obsessed culture. Now, there's power in different ways, and today I'm not talking about power like in government or with money or in politics. I'm literally talking like electricity, <laughs> like power, like energy, right? I mean, think about the things in our lives that are powered by electricity. I mean, how many gadgets do we have that are powered by electricity, right? Your phones, your laptops, your, your rechargeable headphones and cars and all these different things. So much so that, that there's a, a term that that relates to this power struggle. Have you heard of this nomophobia? Have you heard of nomophobia? I bet you a lot of us struggle from nomophobia. It's actually a, a term that was coined back in 2008, and it's the fear, because no more phone phobia, nomophobia. All right, and but, but what this is about is when you feel like you can't leave your phone anywhere or connected to that is like you're always having to top it off and recharge it, you take it to the bathroom with you, like you can't be without it, but this idea that it's gonna run out, it's gonna run out of power. Some of you fear that you're not good about plugging your phone in at night, so you, how many of you are like, you're always, your phone's always running out of battery, right? Some of you, thank goodness some phones are getting a little bit better with batteries, you know, then you bring an extra charger along but you forgot to charge the extra charger. You know what I'm talking about, that happens. So you have like low battery anxiety. If you have an electric vehicle, they talk about range anxiety. Like I'm gonna run out, I'm gonna run out of power. And what happens when we run out of power, we become powerless. We can't use the devices, we can't do those things. And I wanna talk about, like I said today, about how do we live in that spirit's power? How do we not live powerless lives? Because I think so many of us, we, we, we're on low power mode. We come to church and we're followers of Christ. Maybe we've surrendered our lives to him and we said we're gonna fight these battles and these giants and yet we just can't seem to have victory. We can't seem to get to the other side of that. How do we discover that power to, to, to live on the other side of Goliath? That's what we're gonna dive into today. I wanna begin by looking at uh, David's life. Now, the story of David and Goliath, again, that frames the whole thing, but like I said, David and Goliath was just one part of David's life. We read all through scripture, we have a lot of David's story all throughout the Bible, and he faced another giant, another giant, not literal giants, but he was king and had lots of challenges. He had challenges coming to the throne. His life was threatened. He dealt with, we dealt with lust and adultery and murder. He had major things in his life. A lot, of more, a lot more battles that he was trying to fight and trying to face. We have a lot of David, we, what I love about David is you hear the story about him, but you also get to see the sort of like behind the scenes. What's going on in his life? We have the Psalms. The Psalms give us so much. David wrote so many of these Psalms, and here's this powerful warrior, this king, this fighter, the one who conquered Goliath, who just opens up his heart, opens up his life, shares his prayers. It's like you're reading his, his diary, you're reading his, his prayer journal. 
and how he comes before God vulnerable and honest. And today I wanna look at a psalm to begin with, uh, Psalm 143. Psalm 143, and, and as we look at this psalm, we see a side of David of what he was dealing with years after he's fought Goliath. We don't know exactly when this was written, but sometime after that. And I'm gonna begin with verse three. Here's David, listen to how he feels in, 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 these, in this situation. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground and forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. How come in the stories of David and Goliath, we never really talk about these kind of, this kind of verse, right? This guy that stepped out, put the stone in the sling, faced the giant, how dare you talk about my God like that, goes in there. He's paralyzed with fear. He's lost all hope. He's cowering in the darkness. Can anyone relate? Have you dealt with this? Have you experienced this? Do you feel this at times where, where you're just losing the hope and here he is just struggling in his life, going through and you go, wait, he conquered Goliath. Why is he still struggling in this way? The next verse, he says, I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. Maybe he's thinking back to that time when he stepped up in front of Goliath. Man, I remember, God, how you were with me, how you gave me that courage, that boldness, and, and, and you gave us that victory, and there I was, and I was holding Goliath's head, and they were cheering my name, and they were chanting for me, and, and, and we had victory, and God, you were given glory. I mean, it's just this amazing time. He's not living in that time right now as he's dealing with this. So what does he do? What do you do when you feel like you've conquered Goliath, but yet I'm still struggling, challenging, life is still challenging in these ways? He begins to shift his focus. As we move to the next verse, he says, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I lift my hands. When was the last time you prayed like this? <laughs> you just started to pray, you know, fold your hands, you close your eyes, you just pray. But I lift my hands to you in prayer. What, I mean, he's a warrior. He's a king. What happens when your enemy does this? <laughs> I surrender, I surrender, I lift my hands to you in prayer. There's so many different postures of prayer, of surrender, like this, you put your hands out and surrender, God, surrender, right? Even this, bowing your heads is a, is a submission and a surrender. Prayer, he comes to God, God, I lift my hands to you in prayer. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I will die. He's in desperate mode here. He's in a place where it's just dark, where it's difficult, and he's trying to fight whatever that battle is. It's depression, it's, it's fear. What, what is that giant that he's dealing with? But he's, it's about to take him out. And then he says this, let me hear of your unfailing love each morning, for I'm trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I give myself to you. Rescue me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. And then he says this, may your gracious spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. He understands he's gotta come before God. And what does he say each morning, every morning? He begins the day, the morning, in surrender. I start this day, God, I need you again this day. I'm not gonna make it through this day. I struggled through last, yesterday, but you got me through. Get me through another day, God. Teach me, show me, lead me, guide me, hide me, protect me. I mean, he understands his focus and attention is on God who brings that. But that phrase, may your gracious spirit lead me forward on firm footing. He's understanding the importance of God's spirit in his life. It's not just this morning and now I leave, I go on my own. But let that spirit guide me, lead me and show me where I need to go. And so today I want to talk about how do we live in that spirit's power. And that's what got David through these hard times. And that's what we read all throughout the New Testament. I mean, I could have just spent, I mean, we're going to have a lot of scriptures today. 
Because the Bible is full of scripture that just teaches us about the Holy Spirit and what it means to live in that Spirit's power. So let me teach us about a few of those things and just see how is the Holy Spirit present in your life? I mean, if you were to ask even right now, like, how do you understand the Holy Spirit in your life? And what power do you receive from that Spirit? So let's begin, how do we live in the Spirit's power? Well, the first thing we need to acknowledge is this. We are all fighting a battle within with sin. We're fighting a battle. We're all fighting a battle within with, with sin. So if we're wondering, if, am I the only one that struggles? Why am I the only one that seems to not be able to just you know, always have like victory and, and live in that freedom? Because we're all in a battle. We're fighting this battle all the time. And you know where the battleground is? The battleground that takes place is in the heart and in the mind. It's in those two places. It's a battle that takes place up here and takes place in here. Sometimes, you know, we think about Goliath out here, this giant out there. Sure, there's outside people and other forces and things out of our control, but so much of that battleground for how we live and what we do is in our heart and it's in our mind. And so we're wrestling through that. Looking, we're gonna spend a little time here in Romans for this first part, Romans chapter seven. Paul is writing uh, to the church and he's describing some of the things that he deals with. And here's what he writes in Romans 7, 22 to 24. I love God's law with all my heart, he says. But there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. A slave, I have no choice. I'm forced into this. I, I just feel like I'm trapped in this thing. This is Paul writing and talking about this, this power at war with my mind. And if you know Paul and if you followed Paul's story or if you don't, he was, he's not the kind of guy, just like David, you wouldn't think about a guy weeping in his bed, terrified and afraid. Paul, you don't think about somebody who has any problems or challenges. I mean, he's willing to be shipwrecked and beaten and mocked and he's just all out for, for Jesus. And here's what he says in Romans 7, 14 to 21. The trouble is with me, he says, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. See if you can relate to what he says here. I really don't understand myself, for I wanna do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I wanna do what is right, but I can't. I wanna do what is good, but I don't. I don't wanna do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is in your Bibles. I mean, if you wonder if the Bible and the Word of God ever connects, maybe this is you, but, but if, I, if I do what I don't wanna do, I'm not really the one doing it. Now it almost sounds like he's giving a little bit of an excuse. It's sin living in me that does it. It's not me. It's sin living in me that does it. But he says, I have discovered this principle of life. Here's Paul. Here's a principle of life. This is a principle. He's saying this applies to all over the place. That when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. <laughs> this is your hopeful word of the Lord this morning. <laughs> I mean, I think he, he grasps the human condition. We want to do what is right. We want to, to do those things. I, I don't want to gossip anymore, but yet we find ourselves gossiping. I don't want to swear anymore. I don't want to drink anymore. I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't, want to, I don't want to just have this envy in my heart, but I do it anyway. I don't want to cheat anymore. I don't want to lie anymore, but, but why do I do it? How do I find myself back in the same position? I don't want to listen to those voices anymore. I don't want to, but here I am. Here I am. I've done it again. I'm stuck in the same spot again. I want to do the good in my life, and I don't even do the good. I want to be more generous. I want to give at church. I want to serve. I want to do this thing, but I didn't do it again. I want to go to church, but I didn't go. I mean, we, we live in this, this challenge, and we live in this tension and, and, and this struggle. And Paul helps us relate that. He's saying, look, there's something in me. There's a battle going on within me. 
We are powerless to win the battle against sin in our own strength. At one point, I was just saying, we're just powerless to win the battle against sin, but critical is that last part, in, in our own strength. Sin will kick our rear end every single time. Every single time. We're gonna lose out, we're gonna give in, it's gonna happen. I mean, we might find some strength for a little bit, we'll get through that, but, but to have any long-sustaining victory, we're, we're gonna lose if we do it in our own strength. So don't lose that last bit. And look how it feels. Maybe you feel like Paul when he writes this here in verse 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. There's misery, there's no joy living in sin, there's no joy being defeated over and over again. What a miserable person I am. And then he asks this, this question. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? I mean, it's just giving me this point. Where I'm just, I'm stuck. I, 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 there's gotta be, something's gotta give. I can't seem to get out of this cycle and it's just killing me here. We're stuck, what do I do? Well, here's the second point. God gives us the power to win against sin. God gives us the power. That's what we can't do it on our own strength, but he does give us power to win against sin. It's not a hopeless situation. This isn't the period and we're done. You're just gonna lose against sin. No, this is why we need Christ. This is why we need the transformation. And whenever there's a question asked in church, you should always respond right away with one of three answers and you've got a 90% chance of getting it right. Doesn't matter what is asked, you answer God, Jesus, or Bible, right? <laughs> And if you're not right with those, then go a little bit deeper. But he asks this question, right? Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? He says in verse 25, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So here's the answer, right? He's saying there is a hope. There is a way out of this. There's a way that I can conquer this, and it's not found within me. It's found in Jesus Christ. Now look how he continues in chapter 8. So now... Here's the good news. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. So you're struggling with sin. You just said all those things about above. You keep doing wrong. You keep screwing up. You keep messing up. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, you're not condemned. You're, given, you're forgiven. You're set free. This is, this is great news. And, and because you belong to him, but see, he doesn't just stop there. But because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So there's this power, there's a new power in your life that's now freeing you from this life. So we have the power. The question is, what do we do? How do we conquer this? The Holy Spirit is our secret weapon. The Holy Spirit is our secret weapon in the war against sin. And so without the Holy Spirit, we're not gonna be able to conquer. We're not gonna be able to win. That's where the power comes from. So if you're, you know, if you like Marvel heroes, what makes me think about this a lot is, um, you know, when we picture the spirit and the battle and the power that's going on, it's hard to picture this thing that we can't see, this thing that we don't know about. But, but I picture it sometimes like, you know, Tony Stark and, and Iron Man. Tony Stark's an inventor, and, and he has, um, you know, he's a brilliant mind businessman, he's very crazy and whatnot, but he's, he's replaced his heart, his heart's replaced with an it's arc reactor, I think, right? Is what it's called. Any, anyone with me? Any geek, anyone else geeking out? Arc reactor, and and, and it's po is it powered by the the Tesseract? Is that? Yeah, yeah, look it up, it's not real, but it's in the movie, it's there. But anyway, it basically creates this perpetual power source, this unlimited power source, and, and you see it there, it's like under his shirt, it just glows. And it's like the secret power, he's human, so unlike other Marvel characters that you know, are from out of space and different, a lot of, you know, that kind of thing, and different planets, he's human, but he's got this power source, and this power source allows him to do unbelievable things, amazing things, and if that power source goes out, he's powerless, he's gonna die without it. 
In some ways, that's how we are with the Holy Spirit in our lives, that we have this power source in us, but we don't, I don't think we understand what it is. We go, oh, you know, Tony Stark, the movie, wow, what, what would be possible if you could have that? Well, look at Romans 8.11. The Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give, your li- he will give you life, give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Now this is a scripture we hear, okay, but what is it saying? I mean, when we celebrate Easter, when we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, the empty tomb, the grave is empty, Jesus Christ rose and died again, that same spirit is right now resonant in every single person here who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. We should be just oozing with power, shouldn't we? I mean, this same spirit, that same spirit, not a different one. He didn't reserve a spirit for Jesus to be raised from the dead and like, okay, Mark gets like this one and you get this one. Like, it's like that same spirit. And it makes me wonder, I go in my own life, I'm going, why do I feel so powerless? Why do I feel like I can get easily defeated or discouraged or get depressed or get, you know, whatever it is? Where, how do we tap into this power, this amazing power source? We have the power to overcome any sin. And so Paul says, if you have this power, you have this war with sin, but you have this power, then in Romans 12, he says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, listen as you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. So you have no obligation. So the, the, you know, you, your, your sinful nature urges you to do something, you're not obliged to that. You don't have to do that, you don't have to give in to that. Now, we say, okay, we know that, but maybe the question is, why do we still do it then? We have the power, we have access to the power, Goliath's been defeated, but why would we still give in? We're not obligated to do that. Well, that leads me to my third point here. To be guided by the Holy Spirit, or filled by the Holy Spirit, we must be, or we, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have the opportunity, we can be guided, we have that access to the power, but if we're really gonna claim that power, we have to actually allow the Holy Spirit to fill us. And this is where we kinda go, okay, well, how, what does that mean? How does that work? And how can I be filled by the Holy Spirit? In, in Ephesians 3, now Paul writes this again to different churches that he's writing letters to and trying to encourage. He says this, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Interesting contrast. He goes from being drunk with wine to the Holy Spirit. But what he's saying is when you are, when you are filled with spirits, it transforms you, doesn't it? If you're drunk with, with wine, it transforms you. you. You think differently. You act differently. You, your, your mind and your body is controlled in different ways. Some are angry. Some are sad. Some are depressed. Some become really funny. Some do stupid stuff. Some ruin their lives. They're controlled by something other than themselves. And they're allowing this liquid to become the controlling agent in their life. And he's saying, if you, if you see that, why not let a greater power, let the Holy Spirit fill you? And in the same way, let it control every part of your life, every aspect that powers there. So we need to be filled. So how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit transforming us is a process. This is so important, it's a process. Sometimes maybe people say, like, just, just pray and you're gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit in all its fullness. Well, let's, let's talk about that for a little bit. How are we filled with the Holy Spirit? It's a process that happens over time. I'm gonna break it down into two, two parts, two steps. The first is this. It's a repentance and salvation. That's where the Holy Spirit begins. That's where it begins. That's where we open the door. That's where we begin to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to, to have room and say, you're welcome here. You're welcoming to take up residence. I'm giving you my life. I'm beginning to surrender. So begin to fill me. Begin. And in that moment when you experience that new life in the Spirit, 
Like if you, if you recall, if you've been a follower of Christ, you gave your life to him. You remember that moment where you felt forgiveness, where you understood and was like, there's something else going on. There's a spiritual reality. There's more than that's here, and, and I'm forgiven. I'm set free. The chains are broken. God is, that's the Holy Spirit that begins to come into your life, and you start realizing, man, there's something else going on here. It's not just my physical being, just my thoughts and emotions, but spiritually, there's something going on inside of me. That's the Holy Spirit beginning to take up residence in your life. But at that moment, I would argue you're not yet filled to all the fullness of the Holy Spirit. This is the second part. This is the process, and, and there's a church word, a theological word called sanctification. Sanctification. What does it mean to sanctify? It was sanctify. It means to make something holy, to set it apart. We're going to sanctify it. So sanctification, in, 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 in my definition of, of the word, I would say it this way, surrendering ever more of our will and way to God. So this process is surrendering ever more. So you hear the process in there, right? It's surrendering ever more of my will and my way. And this is where, when we talk about having, having free will, the ability that God gives us a, a, an ability to say no, to choose, to do this and to not do this, to lean into the Holy Spirit or to refuse the Holy Spirit or to listen to God or not listen to God. But sanctification is that process of yielding ever more and saying, God, I'm gonna give you more and more room to work in my life. I'm gonna surrender more and more of my will and my way. What are you saying to me? How are you moving in me? You know, Jesus says, not my will be done, but yours, when he was at the cross, right? That's a surrendering posture. That's a surrendering statement. Less of me, more of you, God. And, and so in our lives, we can receive Christ, we can have that forgiveness, but then say, okay, God, no, I'm not giving you anymore. I'm not yielding anymore. We wonder why we maybe don't have that power. So it's letting ourselves be filled more and more, allowing our lives to be transformed. And we have a choice in that process and, and, and how we choose to lean into God, to listen to his Holy Spirit and allow him to transform us. Let's look at a, just a, an example, um, not really a very spiritual example, but in some ways it, it's challenging, is if you just look at like, you know, diet and exercise and you wanna change something in your life, now, we have the sin nature, if we're gonna look at in this, you know, again, I'm not saying that's sin to eat a donut, but just like in this context, kind of relating it, right? I have the sin nature that craves desserts and sweets and good food and, and just wants to eat more and just, you know, because there's something satisfying about it. I enjoy it, I love it, you know? And so that's just, we can just go on autopilot. And we'd be like, that's just life. It's just my nature, it's just what I have, and, and I'm hungry and I eat, and that's what I do, and you live life. But if you come to a point, you say, okay, I wanna change something about that. I wanna begin to transform. I wanna sanctify the way that I approach this. You begin to have to make some decisions. You're faced with decisions, and you say, eat this, not that. You've seen those kinds of things out there, right? It's not fun to replace your donut with oatmeal. I mean, not, you know, when you begin, it's like, no, the donut's way better. I want a donut, not oatmeal. That's gross, or whatever, you know, and you think through. And, but you begin to make those changes. I'm gonna drink water instead of Coke, and I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make that decision after decision. And it feels like work, and it feels like something that's hard to do. But, but again, if you, you, you do it, you make those changes. And if you've ever done this for a period of time, or you've changed the way, you know, your, your diet in, in those ways, what happens is, all of a sudden, Somebody offers you a donut later on, and what, what, do the, what do those people say that don't eat donuts? Ugh, I could never eat a donut. That doesn't even sound good to me. You're going like, what? You don't want a Krispy Kreme donut? What is wrong with you, right? But there's something that's, that's changed, you know? Like, or like, oh, I just drink water, and like that Coke, oh, it just feels like I'm drinking sludge. It's just so thick, and it's just so sweet, and you're going, Coke, it's Coke, man. It's really good, you should drink Coke. But what happens is there's a transformation, 
And on, on the other side, it's almost, it's, what begins to happen is you don't see the old in the way that you did before. Something in you has transformed, something in you has changed, and you don't even have that same craving or that desire. You begin to create distance from that. So there's different ways in our lives that that happens and where we give the Holy Spirit more and more room in our lives. If you're filled with anger or bitterness or, or hatred, and you can just say, that's just how I am. Sin in me or maybe not, it's just my human nature. It's how God wired me to be, so I'm just gonna give in to that. Well, you have the power not to. God gives you the power to withstand that, and you begin to make changes. How you approach somebody, you pray, God, help me interact with this person different. Give me the words, help me to, help me to, to stop saying these things or to start saying these things, whatever and God begins to transform you. Or you think about, you think about um, you know, entertainment. You think about the things in our world that we are exposed to on a daily basis. Talk about what fills us over and over and over again. I mean, we are just inundated with, with news and media and social media and movies and music and talk, and it's everywhere. And, and unbeknownst to us, or consciously or, or unconsciously, we're, being, we're getting filled. We're getting continually filled, and we can just say, well, that's just what it is, that's what's out there, I just watch whatever, that sounds good. Everybody says I should watch this, uh, what's this new squid, squid show thing out there on Netflix? Yeah, squid, squid Game, I know nobody in here really wants to admit it, I don't know what you're talking about, I don't know, I know some, some crazy show out there, and then we hear like our daughter come home and like kids in elementary school are watching this terribly violent show, I guess, I don't know. I mean, we can make a choice, we can say, well, that's what everybody's watching, I'm gonna do that. Or we're gonna say, you know what, I'm gonna draw some boundaries around that, and I'm just gonna, not gonna allow those influences into my heart, well, what a prude, what a stick in the mud, come on, you gotta be up with what's happening. But what begins to happen as you distance yourself from those things, as you begin to allow different influences, now later, just like with the diet and exercise thing, you look back and you say, you know what, I don't even, think, I don't, I don't even wanna be a part of some of that, I don't even want those influences in my life. That's a process. And that's why this whole idea of the Holy Spirit having more and more room in our life, our will and our way is surrendering moment by moment to have that power to be able to be transformed. And so finally what happens then as you do that and in that process of sanctification is this, sanctification leads to good fruit in our lives. This is where we talk about the fruit of the Spirit. You know, we're so used to saying the fruit of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> it's the fruit of God's Spirit in your life. It's what comes out of your life, right? For the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. See, that, that's the cultivation. As we're talking about moving past our, our, our giants and beginning to live, it's not, I mean, it's kind of sad if we spend our whole life just always living in relation to the giant, that past failure, that addiction, that problem, that issue that I have. I mean, you spend your whole life, whether even on, on the other side of it, let's say, you know, Goliath's been defeated, we're walking in that freedom, but yet we continue to be like looking backwards. The Holy Spirit allows us to turn and say, you know what, I'm walking forwards. I'm walking in a new direction. I'm gonna walk in freedom, and I have the power to put that in the rearview mirror and begin to live in a whole new life, not only just barely hanging on, just getting past. And so allowing ourselves to have that fruit in our lives and when we have that fruit that begins to rub off on others, other people begin to see that and experience that. We bring God's spirit into those different places. When we live love throughout the week, we're, we're bringing God's spirit into places. People are going, why would you give up time to serve? Why would you just randomly pay for my meal? Why would you just be kind to a stranger? Or why would you take time to go visit a shut-in or to do this or to do that? 
there's something different in me. There's a spirit in me, and it's God's spirit, and I just wanna, I wanna share that, and God begins to work through that. So as we close our time, as we think about the Holy Spirit, I think it's, it's learning how to dial into the Holy Spirit. If God's spirit is present in us, if we've given our lives to him, he's there, how do we listen and not listen to all the noise and all the things out there, but listen to him? I remember hearing the story when I was a kid in church somewhere, and I just always think about it as, as an illustration, so maybe you've heard it too, but it's about a Native American who visits his friend in New York City, and they're in Times Square, and they're, they're, they're you know, Times Square, just noisy, crowded, busy, horns honk, honking. I was there once at two in the morning, I think I was out there once, and they were, they were jackhammering in the city, repairing the roads at two in the morning. I mean, it was just insane. I mean, if you've been there, there's a lot of commotion all times during the day. So this Native American and, and his friend, they're, they're walking there, and, and as they're crossing the street, his, the, the Native American friend says, um, I hear a cricket. His friend's like, you're, what? He says, I hear a cricket. He goes, you're, you're crazy. And, and his friend walks across the street, and there in a planter, he moves a, he moves a branch, and, and there's a little cricket. And his friend's like, that's, that's amazing. Like, how have you learned to just, just, you know, you hear the cricket? He's like, no, 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 I don't have anything supernatural. It's just, what are you listening for? And he reaches into his pocket, and he pulls out a couple of quarters, and he throws them on the ground. And all the people around quickly checked and looked to see what they dropped. Although today, probably people are like, that's oh, just a quarter. Right? But they listened. They heard, and they, what are you dialed into? What are you listening for? What are you trying to hear? If you wanna hear the Holy Spirit, if you wanna be filled by the Holy Spirit, we gotta create space. We gotta begin to dial into God. And just like David, every morning he raises his hands, he cries out to God, and he says, Lord, lead me by your Spirit. Where are you leading me? Where are you guiding me? And not just in the morning, but throughout the day. It's those little nudges, those things that, that we feel in, in your gut that should I, shouldn't I? And you know if it's like challenging you and it's hard and it goes against what you probably would wanna do for your, just to be selfish and to take care of yourself, that's probably a Holy Spirit nudging. And I wonder if we just started by going, I'm gonna listen into that. I'm gonna lean into that and just see what happens. That's how God's Spirit begins to move. And as you begin to hear those nudgings and listen, you begin to hear like that little cricket and the noise of all that's going around and going, ah, I, think, I think that's God prompting me to, lean into that. I'm gonna stay a little longer in this meeting. I'm gonna, have a little, uh, I'm gonna ask this question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make that phone call. I don't know why, but I'm just gonna drive home a different way. I just, I don't know, God's sensing something. You know, you, you don't wanna be all spooky and freaky and who knows what, but you know what? God's spirit works in supernatural ways and in powerful ways that, that we can't explain. And as we allow that, more and more of our lives are filled with God's spirit. How do we lean into that? How do we dial into that? And remember that same power that same power lives in you that rose Jesus from the dead. And scripture says too that there, the power that is in Jesus is greater than the power that is in this world. The spirit is powerful in us. And I wonder if we would lean into that spirit, if we wouldn't see God moving in even greater ways in our lives to help us overcome those giants and to start living in a new life, producing good fruit uh, day by day. Let's surrender to that this moment. Let's pray for a moment. Maybe right now you assume a posture of surrender, even just as you're sitting there, maybe just open your hands, maybe you raise your hands up, as David did, and you just say, God, I need more of you in my life. God, I, want, I need your power, I need your strength. Maybe you, maybe you don't even have the Holy Spirit living in you, maybe you're here today going, how do I even begin that process? How do I even open my heart to, to Jesus? Well, you just begin, you just say, Lord, here's my life. I surrender to you, forgive me of my sins, make me new, 
believe you're the son of God and I just want you in my life. And, and you begin, you begin, you open the door and you allow God to, to enter in that way through his spirit. I see your hands in different ways surrendered and, and so I just wanna pray for us in this moment. Heavenly Father, God help us to, to see with fresh eyes today, to hear with new ears as we go about our day, as we enter our week, aware of your presence. God, that you are with us, that you are guiding us, that you are leading us. And maybe it's not that we even worry about a big vision for our lives. Maybe, God, we just have to get through a moment, a moment of temptation, a moment of challenge, a moment where the giant threatens again and we wanna go back into his grasp. Or, but God, we just, we just need your strength in that moment to remind us we have no obligation to give in to that. But God, that your spirit will give us the power to, sur to surrender, God, and to have victory. Lord, we wanna walk in freedom from these giants. We wanna break free. Help us to live in these new lives, God. We surrender ourselves to you. Fill us, move us, guide us individually. God, together as a church, together as we go out in this week and as we, we look for opportunities to live love and maybe opportunities that we weren't even looking for, but your spirit just, just prompts us and guides us and says, do something here or lean in here. And, and God, we just surrender in a beautiful way to what you wanna do through us. Help us to be people of your spirit. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.